Hello, welcome to Bible Class. I'm glad you've chosen to join us. My name is Bob Lawrence, one of the Bible Class teachers at the Anchorage Church of Christ, and I'm glad that you've chosen to join us for this spring session when we look into the two letters of the New Testament, 1st and 2nd Peter. Have you ever recognized that to follow Christ means, almost by definition, that you will be at best misunderstood by other people. And at worst, you'll be persecuted or ridiculed or maligned or treated very poorly because of your decision to follow Jesus. Well, if you've ever felt that way or experienced that discrimination that comes with a choice to follow Christ, then I think you'll find yourself right at home with the audience who first received these letters the first one called 1 Peter and the second one called 2 Peter. If you haven't done so already, uh, go find a Bible. And once you have the Bible, open it up, find uh, the New Testament, and then go to the end of the New Testament and find these two letters of 1 and 2 Peter. Over the next several weeks, we'll be going through each of these letters. We'll start with 1 Peter and spend several weeks just skimming each week uh, a, a new layer off of that letter getting deeper and deeper into its themes and its message. And then after we've gotten through 1 Peter, we'll turn over to 2 Peter and see what it has to say for us today. I think you'll find that even though these letters were written nearly 2,000 years ago, in an eerie way, it will be like Peter has been reading your emails. It's as if he knows your life, he lives in your neighborhood, and he knows what you're going through. So let's take time to go through these books of 1 and 2 Peter. This week, we'll begin by looking at the letter of 1 Peter. And the first thing to notice is that this is, in fact, a letter. This is not a long book. It is not meant to be read in short pieces or at different times. It's really meant to be read in one sitting, starting at the very first of the letter and reading all the way to the end. It's just like a letter you might receive from a friend. You know, if you receive a, a letter from someone you rarely will pick up that letter and for the first time, just pick one paragraph out of the letter and read it. No, a letter that comes from someone special, you read, starting with the very first word and you savor every part of that letter as you read the whole thing through. And if it's a special letter, in the future you may go back and read special lines or special sections or special paragraphs. But the first time you get the letter, you read it from start to finish. And that's really the way you should read all of the letters of the New Testament. And that's the way we'll read 1 Peter. Let me introduce you to the letter this week. I'll introduce you to the author, to those original recipients, and then use the balance of your time in this week's class to sit either uh, by yourself or with your family or with those who are in the room with you now and take some time to read this entire letter. It won't take you long, it's a short letter. But read this letter as it was intended to be read, starting with the very first introduction and go through towards the end. Now, what you'll notice in the letter is that it begins with the name of the person who wrote the letter, and that's the Apostle Peter. And then the very next part there in chapter 1 will tell you to whom the letter is addressed. And you'll notice there that it's addressed to several different places. He starts out by saying to the elect people, in other words, these chosen people who were followers of Christ, that were spread out over what is modern-day Turkey. 
he mentions several different areas, first Pontus, and then Galatia, and then Cappadocia. And then he circles around to Asia, what we would today call Asia Minor, and then he comes up to Bithynia. And if you were to look at these areas on a map, you would see that it's basically a big circle around modern-day Turkey. So this letter was written by Peter to these people who lived in what is now modern-day Turkey, and these were Christians that were spread out over uh, that part of the world, which was at that time controlled by the Roman Empire. Now, the person who carried this letter, you'll see, is named at the end of the letter. So if you turn over to chapter 5, you'll find the name Silvanus is right there in the, in the very closing verses of the book. He also mentions Mark, who you run into in other parts of your Bible. In fact, one of the Gospels is written by Mark, and some people say that Peter and Mark had such a close relationship that really the Gospel of Mark is Peter's account of what it was like to uh, follow Jesus. And you see Mark's name mentioned there at the end of the letter of 1 Peter. The other thing you notice is that Peter says, all of those who are in Babylon greet you, and that gives you a hint. Uh, Peter is using the term Babylon as sort of a euphemism for Rome. Most people think that this letter was written from Rome towards the end of Peter's life. And so we have a letter that was written by Peter to these people who lived over this large amount of land called, called uh, Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey and to the churches that were in each of these areas. And these Christians were suffering, mostly because they had chosen to follow Christ. These were the very first followers of Christ, and they were learning firsthand what that meant and how that meant that at best they would be misunderstood, and at worst, some of them would give their life. At the very least, they would be mistreated and maligned and reviled and sometimes hated, not only by people on the outside or in their community, but even by people in their own families. They knew what that felt like. And so this is a letter in which the Apostle Peter is writing to these very first Christians, and he has an important message for them. And I want you to hear the message that he gave to, to them, but I want you to hear it from his pen and not just from, uh, from my teaching. Well, let me this week, before you read the book, at least introduce you to the author and a little bit about those early recipients. The very opening line of 1 Peter tells you that this book was written by the Apostle Peter. Now, Peter was one of the, the most well-known of the apostles. You read about him all throughout the Gospels and through Acts, and he's even mentioned in some of the letters that Paul writes. Peter is that apostle who started his life out as a fisherman. He had a brother named Andrew, and he and Andrew were from Bethsaida. It was a fishing village there on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. Peter had married a woman, apparently from Capernaum. At least that's where the, uh, Peter's mother-in-law lived, and he spent, he spent quite a bit of time there. We read in the early part of John that there was a time when John the Baptist was introducing people to Jesus, and John was talking to Andrew. This was Peter's brother. And John says to Andrew, look, and he points at Jesus and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes the sin away from the world. And so Andrew met Jesus. And Andrew goes home and he tells uh, his brother, actually his brother's name was Simon, Simon Peter, you might have heard. And so he goes to Simon and he says, we found the Messiah. And that's when Simon comes and he meets Jesus. 
and Jesus gives him his name. And he says, they call you Simon, but I'm going to call you Cephas, which is Aramaic for rock. And when translated into Greek, it's the word Petros, or where we get the term Peter. And so that's why we call uh, this book the letter that is from the apostle Peter. So Jesus gives him his name, you are the rock. And what we find out is that Peter gets to see amazing things when he follows Jesus. Remember that Peter was there when Jesus fed all those thousands of people. And Peter was there watching as Jesus raised the girl from the dead. And Peter was there uh, when Jesus would heal the blind man's eyes. He saw Jesus do these amazing things. And Peter is the one who develops this impulsive type of faith. Remember, it's Peter who on the mountain of transfiguration, when Jesus shows up there and there's Moses and there's Elijah and Peter sees all this and says, oh, it is great that we are all here. Uh, let's build a tabernacle for you, Jesus, and let's build a tabernacle for Moses and let's build a tabernacle for Elijah. And of course, the voice is heard from heaven saying, this is my son, listen to him. And, and that's not the, the last time that Peter had to be corrected. Peter is the one who stepped out onto the water when Jesus was walking on water. And Peter says, if it's really you, Lord, let me come out to you. And Jesus calls him out. And Peter walks on the water just a few steps before he sinks down. It's uh, Peter who, at the Last Supper, when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, Jesus comes to Peter and Peter says, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't do this, you have no part with me. And Peter says, well, if that's the case, you wash my hands and my head as well. Uh, it's Peter who that same night in the garden when Jesus comes and, uh, or excuse me, when uh, Judas comes with the crowd of people to arrest Jesus, it's Peter who pulls out the sword and he cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest named Malchus. Jesus has to heal the man's ear and he, he tells Peter, put your sword away. And it's right after that, even though Peter has said, I will never, even if everybody else leaves, I will never deny you. And that night, Peter denies Jesus uh, three different times. So Peter has this, this impulsive type of faith. It's a real faith, uh, but he seems every time it is tested to, to fail. And Jesus has to, to say on many occasions, he says, oh, you of little faith. But Jesus wasn't done with Peter. And he never gave up on him, never gave up on him. And, and he developed in Peter this strong faith. And then it's after Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, and then he was raised from the dead. It was after that that Jesus calls Peter aside. And we don't know if they were walking beside each other, or if they were sitting together, but they were alone for a moment when Jesus restores Peter. And he says to Peter, three times he asks them, says, Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter says back, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, each time Jesus was asking him, do you really love me? He used the term agape. And Peter answers him with a different word for love that probably means more, yes, you are my, you are my dear friend. But regardless, uh, each time Jesus says to him, I want you to take care of my sheep. The first time Jesus says, feed my lambs. The second time he says, tend to the sheep. And then the third time he says, feed my sheep. And you hear what Jesus is saying to Peter. I want you to be a shepherd for these people.
who will follow me. Jesus, the good shepherd, hands that baton to Peter and says, I want you now to be a shepherd as well. And that's exactly what he became. This is the point where Peter's faith suddenly goes from that impulsive faith to one that is solid and tested. And he becomes the shepherd for those very first Christians who choose to follow Jesus. Remember, it's Peter that stood up on the day of Pentecost and he gives this amazing sermon and 3,000 people become Christians that day. Peter's the one who ends up shepherding that early church through those, those early uh, confrontations with the religious leadership. He leads the church through disagreements that they had with each other. He's the one who in that early part of Acts is helping to form and helping to organize the early church. He became uh, the shepherd of those early Christians, those people who chose to follow Jesus. And that includes one of the greatest missionaries ever, this man named Saul who fought against Christians, who was killing Christians, and on the road to Damascus was converted by Jesus himself. And it was Saul, whose name was changed to Paul, uh, who three years after becoming a Christian, we're told, comes back to Jerusalem, and he spent about two weeks with Peter in Jerusalem. And it's there. We imagine. We're not told what they talk about, but we can imagine that Peter is becoming the shepherd for Paul. And what a beautiful scene where Peter, this fisherman from the northern part of Israel, this backcountry uh, follower of Christ, becomes the shepherd for this Pharisee who studied under the feet of the greatest teachers in Judaism, and Peter becomes the shepherd for Paul. And that starts a relationship between Peter and Paul that will go for the rest of their lives. In fact, Paul later will talk about uh, Peter. They, their lives will come together at various points over the next several years, and both of them will include each other's names in their letters. And uh, at times they go head to head and they conflict, and at other times they stand side by side. But what's amazing is when you read the letters of Paul and he mentions Peter, or when you read the, the letters that you'll see of Peter and he mentions Paul, uh, that you recognize these two men are pulling side by side, both of them pulling uh, the world uh, back to Jesus and to introduce them to Jesus. And so that's, that's the Peter who's writing this letter is one in whom Jesus says, Peter, I want you to be the shepherd for my sheep. And if you read close, you'll see hints of that even in today's reading. Well, this letter was written by Peter, but it was written to some, some very specific people who lived in uh, Asia Minor, this part of the Roman Empire that is now modern-day Turkey. And when Peter wrote to these individuals, he had in mind a group of people that had been scattered. He says in the very first line of the book that these are God's chosen people who are part of a diaspora. It's kind of the idea of seeds that have been scattered over uh, this part of the Roman world. And what we're told is that Peter wrote this letter to people that were, were scattered. Now, we don't know if he's just referring to them as being scattered in a metaphorical sense, saying that they are God's people who are placed in different parts of the known civilized world at the time. Or it could be that he's referring to people who used to live in Rome, but under Claudius, or maybe even with the coming 
persecution of Nero, uh, there were Jewish Christians who were kicked out of Rome. And it could be that he's writing to people who were part of that uh, uh, leaving or that uh, exile from Rome. We don't know. Most experts think that the letter is actually written to Gentile Christians, uh, but you'll notice that it has a distinct Jewish flavor and that much of the, the themes, many of the themes that you read and much of the book is written clearly from a Jewish perspective. But the recipients, the, re the people who first read this letter were those who were experiencing, many of them for the first time, what it meant to follow Jesus. And they were realizing that in this world, to follow Jesus would mean being misunderstood. It would mean being reviled, being hated, and in some cases, having their lives threatened. And those threats were not just from the outside. In some cases, it would be people of their own family who misunderstood them, who reviled them, who couldn't understand why they would not participate in the same things that their neighbors were doing. It was the same thing that everybody does in their community. What was it that made them different? And Peter's going to write them a letter, and it's a letter of encouragement. And if you if you keep your eyes open, you'll see in this letter how Peter is encouraging these first Christians to own that faith that even when it's tested, that they don't have to give up. You'll remember that it was Peter who made the good confession there with all the other disciples. When Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Peter, you are Petros, which means rock. And upon this rock, meaning that confession, I will build my church. And so now you have Peter as the shepherd, shepherding those very first followers of Christ. And he writes a letter saying, you, if you make that same confession, if you come to the firm conviction that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, you will be misunderstood. You will be reviled. You will be mistreated. Your life may even be threatened, but don't give up. Despite the fiery trial that you go through, remember that your faith is solid. And that's the encouragement that you will hear in this letter of First Peter. Well, this week, what I'd like uh, to encourage you to do is to take the next few minutes and together with the others that you're with right now, uh, read through this letter of First Peter. Just start with the very first line. Read all the way through to the end. Don't stop uh, for commentary. Uh, just read the whole letter as it was meant to be read. And then at the end of the letter, uh, hit play again, and I'll have a few discussion questions just up on the screen to kind of get the conversation going and take a few minutes to discuss what it is that you've read in 1 Peter. And next week, we'll start picking up the themes that we find here in this letter. Again, thank you for joining us. I look forward to going through these letters with you over the next few weeks. God bless you, and God bless the reading of his word.